Welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is a show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. I believe that we still need masculine men, men who know who they are, who are comfortable in their own skin. I believe we will always need the rock-solid strength that men bring to the world. Look, not everyone is going to be transgender or androgynous, despite what the mainstream media or pop culture is telling us. I do not believe it is best for our nation to have a world full of overly sensitive, politically correct soy boys. Do you? The world has always and will always need men. After all, who will defend our nation? Who will protect our women and children? Who will father our future generations? Where will humanity derive its strength from, which is inherent in men? The eroding impact of cultural Marxism has temporarily put good men on their heels. Masculinity is under attack. This is not the cry of a victim here. I'm just noticing. There is a concerted effort to emasculate men, to turn us into something that we aren't. Boys are being educated to sit down and shut up and are often shamed for simply being of, quote unquote, the aggressive gender. I had the experience recently of finishing up a nine-year stint on the board of directors for a New York City not-for-profit. Overall, it was a wonderful experience. However, as I was finishing up my tenure, our board happened to schedule a day-long training in critical race theory. I politely declined to participate. According to critical race theory, the fact that I declined to participate automatically makes me a racist. It doesn't take much these days. Yet the truth is I didn't want to waste six precious hours talking about how best to treat people, which I feel like I do pretty well. As a man, I've been trained to guard my boundaries well, and I am just not interested nor available to be shamed, confused, and isolated by trained cultural Marxists. It seems that shaming, dividing, and confusing people is what they do best. Political correctness has brought us a long way from something so common sense as have respect and kindness for everyone you meet. This seems to me a much simpler approach to all the hand-wringing, angst, and finger-pointing that we see today. In these issues, I'm really clear about a couple of things. One, I refuse to let others tell me what my experience is within the human tribe. I trust myself, and I see us all as brothers and sisters on an epic hero's journey. If that is not good enough for cultural Marxists and their followers, fuck them, I say. And also, I'm really clear that we will continue to need good men to help anchor strength in the human tribe. Men are needed now more than ever. If the men in our tribe don't claim and honor their inner strength, the part of them that is essentially masculine, then what do we do when the world once again needs the clarity and presence and strength of good men? Let's go talk to my guest today about some of these very issues. Nikki Ballou is the international best-selling author of the book Finish Line Thinking, How to Think and Win Like a Champion. He is an in-demand and highly inspirational speaker and an advisor and confidant to some of the most successful and dynamic entrepreneurs in Canada. He is the co-founder of eCircle Academy, where he runs a year-long mastermind and educational program working with coaches, consultants, and corporate trainers. Nikki is the host of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution, where he has interviewed over 200 of the world's top thought leaders. Here's my interview with Nikki Ballou. All right. I am here with Nikki Ballou, author, thought leader, podcaster, Nikki Ballou. Nikki, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It's great to have you on the show. Tony, man, it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me on board, bro. 
Absolutely. I've been looking forward to talking to you. You know, you you wrote this great book, uh, Finish Line, How to Think and Win Like a Champion. And we're coming off Tom Brady's seventh Super Bowl win. Um, And, you know, for me, he is the embodiment of a champion. I've, I've not been a New England Patriot fan, but I've been a Tom Brady fan for a long time. Um, and I just, I guess I wanted to ask you, you know, in relation to your book and Tom Brady, what are some things that you know about a champion's mindset or a champion's, uh, habits that Tom Brady displays? And maybe is there something that maybe people wouldn't expect that champions do or winners do that maybe some other people don't do? Fantastic question. So first of all, the name of the book's Finish Line Thinking, How to Think and Win Like a Champion. Finish Line Thinking, thanks. Yeah. So there's a few things Brady does that all champions do. Now in the book, I go over 13 principles of thinking and winning like a champion. Well, let's just go through a few of them, okay? Yep. So Brady's 43. He gets that to be a top-level football player, he needs to take care of his body, right? And so he has embraced exercise and healthy eating as a lifestyle, this guy has his nutrition dialed in like nobody's business, right? Yep. And same with exercise. He takes care of himself, okay? So those two things are something that he's done. The other thing Brady's got going on is he expects to win. Mm-hmm. He believes in victory. Champions believe in victory, you know? Um, so let me tell you a story. The great Michael Johnson who uh, was a eight-time world and Olympic champion, right? He was a 200-meter, 400-meter Olympic champion, yep. right? And he, he, he uh, back in the day, used to wear these specially made gold shoes made by Nike, mm-hmm. right? And these shoes were paper thin and super light. They were designed for single use only. They were actually gold shoes. They cost like three grand back in the day, in the 90s, right? Yep. And at the end of every race, Michael would take them off and throw them into the crowd. And Nike loved it when he won. They hated it when he lost, right? Right. But one day, some reporter guy, a reporter, God's highest form of life, not, (laughs) right? Yeah. Basically said to him, so, so, Mr. Johnson, Mr. Johnson, how come you're wearing these gold shoes? What if you lose? Won't you be embarrassed? Like he was trying to get him a gotcha question, right? Yep. And Michael looked at him with this look of utter disgust on his face. And he said, I run to win. I don't think about losing. I think about winning. And then he did one of these and walked away. And that says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Um, what What is something maybe that people wouldn't expect from a champion, right? You know, like, I think one of the things, like, people, it, you know they work hard. Like, I mean, that's the one thing that I even heard Brady being interviewed, that he said, he was talking to some kid. It must have been a pre-video of the Super Bowl, and he was saying, "Well, if you want to, if you want to succeed, you got to work at it." You know. And mm-hmm. I remember Kobe, and I remember Michael Jordan, and they they were they had tremendous talent, but they were always the last to leave the gym, right? And and it really sticks with you, Derek Jeter. Like all the greats always had this like work ethic that they were just you know driven to be the best. Is there anything that's like maybe that we wouldn't expect from from the psychology of a winner that, that you found in the book that you were like, you know, this might be a surprise to people that 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 champions actually do this and maybe you wouldn't expect that? Well, champions don't do anything alone. That's mm. something that a lot of people have a hard time right. believing, but they actively surround themselves with the support they need to win. That's principle number four in the book, right? Mm. 
they get that success is a team sport, even if you're running an individual sport. Like, for example, my lovely better half, Teresa Dugwell, she's a three-time Guinness World Record holder in ultra-distance running. She has run 12 hours on a treadmill at a time and set three world records doing that, okay? So that's crazy, crazy shit, yeah. right? So she had over two dozen people on her success team. She did all the running. But she had a fitness coach, a running coach, a nutrition coach, a mindset coach, a masseur, a timekeeper, a dozen pace runners to run beside her for an hour at a time to keep her going. Two nutrition sponsors, you name it. Wow. And you're thinking to yourself, why did she really need all those people on her team? Her answer is, yeah, she did because she wanted to break the Guinness World Record and become a champion. That's great. And it's great for men too, because men have this tendency to think, you know, I have to do it all myself. You know, it doesn't, it won't, it'll be invalidated if I have a team, but that's not the way it is. I mean, the, oh, these champions show us that they have a lot of people around them supporting their vision. Um, and I guess one of the things I wanted to ask you too, there, there's been an assault. One of the ways I found you was um, on Order of Man's podcast and you did one with him titled The Battle the battle for masculinity. And there seems to be an assault on men and masculinity. You see it in a lot of different ways right now. Toxic masculinity, there's there's all the 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 critical race theory, there's there's all this kind of cultural Marxism right now from coming at us from about 10 different angles, all meant to sort of chip away at men and masculinity. It's not to say we're victims of this, but there definitely seems to be a concerted effort to, you know, to have men feel like they're out of place, that they they should be ashamed because of their gender or their skin color. Um, and I guess I wanted to just ask you what your thoughts are on the whole, uh, you know, toxic masculinity um, topic and, and theme that we're seeing right now. Listen, I am a, an immigrant from the Middle East. I'm I'm a light brown-skinned guy from Iran. So just, just to kind of set the stage for you on that one. And yeah. I 100% agree with what you're saying about, uh, you know, the war on boys and men. And uh, the phrase toxic masculinity is a vicious sexist phrase that ought to be, ought to be as, uh, as shunned as the N-word because honestly, it's used in particular against minority men to, to stop them from... Uh, being proud of being men and and listen, masculinity built the world, man. Masculine men are men who are solid, reliable, get shit done, make things happen in the world. And we absolutely need masculinity. Without masculinity and men, we wouldn't have the world that we have today. And I'll tell you this: this is one thing you ought to get. The the Chinese government gets this. They get this in a big way. It's one of the reasons China has risen so far so fast they actually are emphasizing manly masculine education for their young men. Mm. They don't run down men. They build them up. It's terrible to run down men. You shouldn't run down women. You shouldn't run down men. Both genders need to be treated with respect and they need to be treated uh, with honor. I, I uh, love and adore women and I'm, I'm a champion for men as well. I think toxic masculinity uh, as a phrase needs to go. And uh, I got to tell you something, the worst thing in the world is when people try to pit people against each other. And I think there's dark forces out there in the world that are trying to do that. They're trying to pit men against women, you know, black against white, black and white against uh, Asian and Hispanic. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. We here have fought and won the battles uh, against, you know, massive racism and institutional racism. I'm from Iran. I am a Christian man, uh, ethnic a Christian man from Iran. Trust me when I tell you, 
There is no racism here compared to most of the rest of the world. Back home, I would walk down the street. People would know who I was. They'd come up to me and they'd start beating the living crap out of me. I had to learn how to fight real fast. My father escaped being beaten to death because he was a Christian man dating a non-Christian woman in Iran when he was in his early 20s, twice, twice. You don't see that happening here, nor should it be happening here. We here have come to a space where we're tolerant of each other. And the average man, the average woman gets this. They see uh, a, a live and let live type attitude. Unfortunately, as I said, there's some dark forces who want to divide us and they use this in order to get power for themselves. And we need to stand up against those forces. I myself believe very strongly that uh, we, uh, we're all human beings. We're all members of the human race. We all bleed the same red blood. And uh, I was put here on this earth to learn, to love, to grow, and to contribute. And I can't do that without my fellow human beings. And being a minority in the West, I've never, ever felt here uh, that I was singled out because of my background, because of my race, because of uh, who I was, except when I went through my divorce. Then they brought it up in order to, to sure. basically use some some sexism and racism against me to say, oh, he's, he's a man from the Middle East and you know you can't trust him and he's going he's gonna to run off with his kid and take him back home, which was a load of crap. There's yeah. no way I'd ever go back because you know that'd be a death sentence for me if I went back to, that, to where I came from. But that's the only time I've faced this. And again, those are the dark forces of institutional uh, racism that exist to divide us and it yeah. exists to help us, not to help us, but to hinder us and, and to prevent us from moving forward in life with power and success. Yeah, you, you and I are in total alignment value-wise in, in what we see happening. You know, I'm, I'm curious, you're up in Toronto uh, and you mentioned how the Chinese um, educate their boys and celebrate, you know, this kind of um, uh, um, full masculinity. We're getting chipped away here. I don't know what's going on in Canada, but here- Same, same. It, it's, All around the West. It's yeah, it's just not, it, they're not celebrating boys. They're not celebrating traditional masculinity at all. That In fact, they're, they're, they're trying their best to create, you know, a generation that's not going to be in touch with that at all. And so it's, it's, it's a little scary to me. Um, you and I both have sons. Um, and I wanted to ask you as a father, what, what are a, a few essential lessons that you feel like you need to pass on to your boys before they become men? Um, and uh, I guess I just want, I wanted to say that one thing I'm trying to teach my son is hard work pays off. You know, like we mentioned earlier, uh, it seems like a lot of the boys I coach soccer and I'm always having to hammer at them at working hard at, the, at, at conditioning, working hard at their skills. It seems like the only way they want to work hard is getting better at video games, which I guess is a form of working hard at something. But I, I'm trying to get them to see the lessons in applying work ethic and some other character building things to the soccer field, hoping that it it relays into other parts of their lives. But I wanted to ask you, you know, do you, do you consciously think like, what do I need to teach my boys? What are the guiding principles of how I want them to get their feet underneath them as young men? So look, uh, as men, we need to do things with our sons. Like that's how we pass on lessons. Telling them stuff doesn't work so well. Uh, so that, I'd say get out and do shit with them. Yeah. But you know, teach them to keep their word. Uh, teach them to honor their mom. <laughs> yeah. And honor women in general. And um, you know, have them seek uh, growth rather than comfort. 
that's a tough one for me too. There, I, I like being comfortable as much as the next guy, but if you do that, you're, you're going to be in good shape as far as helping your kids win in the world. Absolutely. No, that's great. That's great. You know, I heard, I was listening to your podcast uh, on Order of Man, and I heard you mentioned that you had been in a men's group and that caught my ear. I didn't see it in the transcript. And uh, and then you you spoke highly of that experience. I have facilitated men's groups for 15 years and they've been really a foundation of my development as a man and my growth and my leadership as well. Um, and I just wanted to ask you what, you know, what what are some things that you learned in that men's group and maybe what are some ideas about men that you let go of because of your participation in that? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm still leading a men's group. So I, I I'm stopped. Yeah. But, um, well, I'll tell you, one of the lessons I learned is, that, you know, you got to learn to trust men. Mm-hmm. You got to, you got to be discerning in who you trust because not everyone's your men. You got to find your men and then you trust those men. So out in the world, we men compete with each other. So if you're trusting a man who sees you as competition, that's not going to go well for you. Right. Not at all. Right. That's one of the things I learned. But if you learn uh, who your men are and who you can trust, then you really can rely on them for pretty much anything. You know, if you're stuck uh, at 3 a.m. in a Mexican jail, they'll come and get you. If you are... Um, uh, dealing with issues uh, with your wife, she's kicked you out. You need a place to stay. They'll take care of you. You need to help. Uh, uh, you know, your mom move. Ten men will show up, and they'll help you move your mom. All that stuff is, is the sort of thing that having men that you can really rely on makes possible for you. Absolutely. And we learn how to do shit together, and that's amazing. Like I said, with your sons, you got to learn how to do shit, and you got to learn how to do shit with your men. Absolutely. Well, one one of the things too, I think that men get out of a men's group, you learn how to sort of communicate your inner life. Um, and I think that can relate over into your relationship with your woman as well, because sometimes uh, for whatever reason, maybe you're not in therapy, learning those skills with your your spouse or your partner. Um, I think as as men get in groups and with men that they trust, as you said, and just through the processes, learn how to share what's really going on, what their fears are, what what obstacles they're facing, what are the challenges, and learn to communicate honestly and authentically about what's going on. I think it 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 definitely has an impact over in your relationship with your kids and your wife because you're starting to learn your compass. You're starting to learn how to speak to the undertones rather than just being reactive or being, you know, uh, a less, uh, I don't want to say a lesser version of yourself, but one that's not tuned in to the undertones of maybe what you're feeling about a situation. Look, when I'm with my men, they don't let me BS myself. Yeah. That's the best thing that happens. Yep. And we as men tend to buy our own BS. That is so dangerous and so typical. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. And um, the late, great Steve Jobs used to operate in something people around him called Steve's reality distortion field. Mm-hmm. Now, it worked for Steve in terms of helping him uh, create Apple and grow the business. Yeah. But it also didn't work for Steve because it left carnage in the wake of some of his relationships. So yeah. it can be a double-edged sword. And if you buy your own BS too much, it's going to trip you up. And I, I believe that my men prevent me from buying my own BS too much. That's great. That's a great way of saying it. Um, you know, you work with entrepreneurs a lot. Um, and I've always thought that entrepreneurship was a particular kind of hero's journey because people would have to take 
their vision of what they wanted to provide for the world or what they wanted to um, achieve for themselves. And they were going to be tested all the way. It was going to test their courage, their character, their vision, their perseverance. Um, and I wanted to ask you, since you do work with entrepreneurs quite a bit, what what would what do you see as would-be successful entrepreneurs? Where do they get tripped up and not get successful? Where do they get tripped up and maybe don't cross the finish line, to use your language? Uh, what do you see that that separates the ones that succeed from the ones that had a great idea and then just weren't able to get there? You know, that's a terrific question. So there's a few things. One is they don't really believe in themselves. Mm. They put on a great show for the outside world, but they don't believe in themselves. So they get things started and they expect defeat or expect a minor level of success. And that is death to your dreams right there, right there. So the first thing that you got to do is you got to believe, man, you got to believe, you know, um, the the great country singer Tim McGraw, his father was baseball pitcher Tug McGraw. And back in uh, 1981, um, he was on a baseball team. I think it was the Phillies. And they were the massive underdog in the World Series. Massive. And Tug believed. And his, his mantra was, you gotta believe. You gotta believe. And he made the Phillies, who or a massive underdog, believe along with them. And they ended up winning the World Series. Yeah. And they were the underdog. I remember that. Yep. And look at the Super Bowl this past weekend. Who was the underdog? The Buccaneers. Who was expected to crush them? The Chiefs. The Chiefs had won like 26 out of 27 games. I know. They had not lost by as much as a touchdown prior to that. Yep. They were expected to dominate, to de- destroy, to demolish the Bucs. Yep. But they didn't. Why do you think that is? There's a man named Tom Brady. (laughs) Thomas Brady believed, and he made his team believe. You know, Mike Evans was sitting there, and he said, Tom Brady. Yeah, Tom Brady. Tom Brady showed us that we could win, and we believed him. Yeah. Yeah. That team came along on the strength of this one man's belief, and they won as massive underdogs. And they didn't just barely win, man. They crushed the Chiefs. They demolished the Chiefs. Now, a lot of people can go and say, hey, look, you know, the the uh, Bucks defense was amazing. And, you know, um, Mahomes didn't have protection. And all that's true. All that's true. But you know what? Mahomes, once he got hammered a couple times, didn't find a way out of that. And I've seen Mahomes in other games where they've been on him. And this was, it's been a while, but he was able to get out of that situation and make the play. This time he wasn't. Why is that? Why is that? And Tom Brady, yeah, he wasn't hurried, but in lots of other games he had been. And you know what? Once the playoffs came around, you know, showtime came to play. Yeah. And that's what happened, brother. And if you are in entrepreneurship, you need to be showtime, man. It's showtime. It's time to get out there and put yourself in front of people. And if people believe in what you have to say, they will do business with you. If they don't believe in what you have to say, they won't. And where does their belief come from? Well, it comes from your belief. Yes. You got to show 100% certainty. Yeah. That's great. That's great coaching, Nikki. Um, 
Do you have any creative any creative projects you'd like our listeners to know about? We'll, we'll of course, mention where to find you. Um, we'll mention your books. I guess I wanted to give you a chance just to give a shout out to maybe something that's coming up uh, in the spring or the summer, a program, anything that you, know, that you would like uh, our listeners to go click on or find you at. Thank you for that. So once a quarter, we do something called a thought leader immersion workshop. Okay. So what is that? Great question. Thought Leader Immersion Workshop is about helping you become the go-to authority so you're sought after, you're professionally famous in your space. Who's this good for? Honestly, anybody who is a coach, a consultant, an author, a speaker, or otherwise uses their, their expertise to do business, to help people, to solve problems for them, it's for them. But it's also for somebody who's a CEO of a company and wants to be like the Elon Musk, the Steve Jobs, the Richard Branson of their space. Those guys were all thought leaders. So people bought from the companies they ran because they ran those companies. People would uh, line up to be employees at those places because those folks are there. And investors run to invest in those companies because those guys are there. Thought leadership allowed them to be sought after in the biggest way. If you're a thought leader CEO, you are going to grow your company tenfold. And for a guy like Richard Branson, he also made about nine, 10 million a year as a thought leader from speeches, retreats at Necker Island, stuff like that. Now I know nine, 10 million a year isn't a lot of money, but you know, it's better than a kick in the head. At least it's enough for, for lunch money and buying some dinners here and there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we'll we'll direct them that way. Nikki, thanks so much for coming on Basecamp for Men and sharing your wisdom and your insight. Uh, really great to talk to you. It's going to be a good episode. So thanks so much for sharing and uh, you take good care and let's uh, hope 2021 is going to be a fantastic year for humanity and for all of us. So thank you. Yeah, you bet, Tony. Thank you so much. God bless you for having me on. It's It's a real honor. I love doing this. Awesome. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Nikki as much as I did. As we were finishing our call, Nikki wanted to pass along an offer for you. Anyone who wants a free 45-minute coaching session with him, just go to www.ecircleacademy.com and book a success call. This is a really generous offer to all you entrepreneurs out there to get some free insights from a man who knows how to guide thought leaders and others towards success. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac and you're listening to Basecamp for Men. 